Hey, movie lovers, I'm Nasha DeSanders of Borrowing Tape, and I am here with Eric Worthman, the director of The Drummer, a social issue drama that brings to light the struggles of American veterans with PTSD trying to be discharged from service. Eric, thank you for taking the time to chat. My pleasure. So to start us off, could you tell us a bit about your personal connection to the film's subject matter? Well, before I was a film director, I was a psychotherapist for about 25 or 30 years. Mm. Um, and I, I made one film about 10 years ago. And then just as I was winding down my practice, uh, the war in Iraq broke out. I agreed uh, with a, a group out in Los Angeles to see veterans for free um, for psychotherapy. Uh, and that led to a phone call from an old friend of mine from the 1960s, a lawyer named Todd Ensign, who the film is dedicated to at the end, um, who was, had what was called an anti-war coffee shop. He was a lawyer. He had defended soldiers from the Vietnam period all the way through here to Iraq. And he also was running an experimental anti-war coffee shop up in Watertown, New York. In the 60s, the anti-war coffee shops were set up on base towns and were very successful in organizing soldiers who were in the military, but were against the war. Now, I have to admit that this time around, it didn't work out that way, uh, probably because in the 60s, there was a draft. And here in the Iraq war, it was all volunteer. So um, Todd had, was trying to start a anti-war, a soldier's movement that was anti-war. And he had a few soldiers on the base town, uh, on the base that he was near. Watertown was near Fort Drum, which was a big jumping off spot for soldiers going to Iraq. There were a few experiments in anti-war coffee shops around the country. One was in Texas, one was in Tacoma and Washington, one was in Colorado Springs. Um, and I thought at first that this wasn't really gonna go, but Todd came up with the idea of having conferences on base towns. And I, well, first just conferences of veterans and clinicians. And then after we had a pilot project in New York, I said, look, we should be doing this on base towns. That's where the soldiers are. So we did four or five very successful conferences. Alas, Todd then got cancer and he passed away a couple of years ago and he had all the leads and I couldn't do this by myself. But I had begun to think of an idea for a film based on our experience. And I created a character, Walker, who was a lawyer defending current soldiers but who also had been an Iraq veteran. And that's how the film grew. I had a co-writer, Jessica Gulke, we had done a film together together about 10 years ago, we, re we wrote it. And then we began, got a casting agent and began to move out. And then I met Danny Glover. Uh, and that's how he got involved in it. Amazing, that is so, so interesting. So then yeah. can you explain the film's title, The Drummer, to those who haven't yet seen the film? The Drummer is the name of the anti-war coffee shop. It's based on the old song, The Little Drummer, Little Drummer Boy. And that's why we, we called, um, the, the original coffee shop actually was called The Drummer. And so I kept that title. 
uh, for people who know that little lyric or that little song, a little drummer boy is marching off to war. And that's and that's why the name of the coffee shop, the anti-war coffee shop, the real one was called the drummer, and the one we recreated for the film is called the drummer. Wow, that's amazing. So then, uh, what was it like working with cinematographer Marcin Caprone? It was terrific. I I should say that my producer is the head of the New School Media Department. He's from Belgrade. Uh, he's a film director himself. He's done seven or eight great films, um, very low budget. Nobody makes low budget films like he does. His name is Vlad Nikolic. And Martian was a student. He had actually, he was from Poland, came to the United States, then went back to Poland to go to film school at Lowe's because that's one of the most famous film schools in the world. Then came back to the new school and got, I think, a, a further degree in media studies. And he was introduced to me by, by Vlad. Um, he had shot a little 10 minute film for a friend of mine um, that was very good, who also turned out to be an associate producer on our film, Julie Deffitt, who's from Brussels. Um, and so that's what it was like. I will say that uh, we had some difficulty. We couldn't afford, we didn't have enough money to go up to Watertown, New York, which was a real blow to me and to Danny. Um, so we had to shoot the film around New York City, and it was mostly shot in Staten Island with a few scenes shot in Brooklyn. So we had to rearrange the shot list literally on the, on the set uh, because it, uh, we weren't even sure of our locations until about a week or two before we shot. So, and he did, you know, we realized we couldn't be too fancy. We couldn't spend too much time devising more complicated shots, so we had to keep it very simple. Um, and of course, there were a lot of close-ups. I will say, Nace, that the as Danny said, the close-ups really worked for the film because it made you feel like the characters in the movie, each of them were all alone. They didn't have the kind of community they wanted. They were, they, they, they were on their own, and the close-ups implied that situation. Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely get that feeling from the film. It's amazing. Yeah. So what was your favorite scene to shoot? Oh, dear. <laughs> um, well, a lot of them had to do with my favorite scenes. Um, there's a scene with the fellow, the one soldier who was working with Danny, um, who was an ex-veteran. Uh, played by Frankie Alvarez. And they have a discussion uh, in which Frankie asks Danny uh, Walker, who was the name that, of the character that Danny plays, why does he keep doing it? And Walker says, at my age, resistance is all I have left. And then he says, you know, I should have in some ways joined the environmental movement. That's what's going on now. Because as you know, it was very hard to get a, a mass anti-war movement about the Iraq war. It wasn't like Vietnam at all. And Frankie answers him by saying, that's because they think there's hope there in the environmental movement. So I thought we, we shot that scene actually outdoors. Um, and I, that's one of my favorite scenes in the film. Um, I also like the scene when the soldier is arrested, when Cor um, 
Prima Cruz, who was sensational as Corey uh, and almost steals the movie, she is arrested. Uh, and when Walker thought he had set this all up with the base and they betrayed him by arresting her that night, um, I thought the look on Danny's face when he realizes that's happening was just devastating. Um, I also was like the very last scene we shot was, was a couple of days after we were technically supposed to end because um, we had to raise some more money because we ran out of money um, was a scene in the bar between uh, the soldier who can't decide whether he should get out or stay and his friend and his wife they're shooting pool and then the, the friend says my wife is pregnant uh, what should I do and um, uh, Sam Underwood, who plays the soldier, says, don't look at me. I'm no hero. I, I don't know what to do. I thought that scene was really good. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. So what was it like working with Danny Glover? He is absolutely wonderful in this film. He is. And that was the one great break we had. As you, know, as you probably know, when you have a casting director, you draw up a list of actors. And we drew up a list of actors who were old enough to have been in the Vietnam War. I was going to an environmental conference, the biggest environmental conference in the United States at the time was called Bioneers. It was out in San Rafael, California. My wife happened to be on the board of it and so forth. And Danny spoke at that conference on social justice and the environment and the environment. Mm. And so it was semi set up for me to meet him at the lunch. It wasn't formally set up. I had to make my way to talk to him but I did and he was really interested in it uh it took a couple of months for him to actually read it and that was due to a, someone in his office uh Danny's very loyal to people he went to high school with in college and a lot of the people who work in his office he went to high school with and the daughter of one of the persons who run the office who was had a degree in film production I think um she read it and said, this is just right for him. And I said, can you call Danny and tell him, read it. And so yeah. she called. He was making a movie in New Orleans. Mm. She told him, you should read this. And he called me back in 24 hours. It then took two more years, by the way, to get the screenplay set. Mm. But that's how it happened. And yeah, he was terrific to work with. Um, you know, he prepared he thought about it he made choices on how he was going to speak uh, the lines and uh and he is a terrific guy and he is the real thing in this sense that he really is a social activist um amazing and so he's out there doing a lot of that kind of work as well as acting that is so great i love that so which films or directors have influenced you as a filmmaker, but also the film, The Drummer? All right, this is a good question in the sense that it, I, I came up, I'm 80 years old um, and I was in high school in the late 1950s. Now my parents took me to see movies. Um, when I was young, they took me to the Museum of Modern Art to see Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and so, and so I had, and my father encouraged me to go see foreign films and art films when I was in high school. Um, but in the late 50s, 58, 59, it never occurred to me, quite frankly, that I could be a film director. I mean, 
growing up in New York, it was Hollywood movies, American movies. And it's just like, that just seemed an unreal world to me. I had no idea how you could get, break into that, how you can get into that. There had been a famous independent film, John Cassavetes Shadows, which I had seen, which grew out of his acting school. And I, even then, I wasn't sure how you go about this. And then the new wave films, the French new wave films came to New York, Breathless by Godard, 400 Blows by Truffaut, Little Late of the Cousins by Chabrol. Somehow watching, especially Breathless and the 400 Blows, it seemed like God, I, one could make movies because um, this was also the introduction of sync sound. And it was possible then to make a movie without Hollywood, without so much money. That turned out to be true, but it took me, and I tried to break into the movies, but I couldn't get into it in the 60s. Then I became an activist and therapist. So I came back to the movies really late. I was 60 when I did my first film, um, or well, 65. But the movies that influenced me, looking back on it, there are four. The very early film is Grand Illusion by Jean Renoir, because it, it was made in the background of something called the Popular Front, which is when all the left organizations in France got together to fight the Nazis. And Renoir was very much in favor of the Popular Front. And Grand Illusion has that political ideology in it. Also, it was very class bound, the, you know, the, the famous ending where the German shoulders are about to shoot the two French guys who are escaping from the prisoner of war camp. And the two French guys get over the border. And just as the German soldier is about to shoot, the German captain hits his gun and says, they made it, the lucky bastards. So it was a, it was where the two proletariats, it was to the working class in Germany, working class in France, where they were together more than who was actually fighting the war. Then jumping up to the late 50s, I was very much taken with a movie called Ashes and Diamonds from Poland by Andrzej Wichta. This is one of the great movies of all time. I see Martin Scorsese has put that on his 10 greatest list. Um, and again, it was about a, a, a fellow who had fought in the sewers during World War II, but who was not on the communist side, but the nationalist side, which was a brilliant pick by Victor because so many Poles could identify with this young kid who couldn't decide whether to continue to fight after the war was over, to go with the nationals, to stay with the communists. And he goes back and forth. It's one of the great films of all time. Two other films, La Guerre Esti Fine by Alain René with Yves Montan was about a soldier who was still fighting the Spanish Civil War into the early 60s. And it's devastating to see that film now because they were risking their lives. And then 20 years later, Franco died and suddenly the fascist state just disappeared within six months. And the other is a little film by Godard called La Petite Soldat, The Little Soldier, which was his second film after Breathless. It's not that well done, very crudely done. But again, it's about a guy who can't decide what political party he's going to be in, but he's being blackmailed by one to assassinate someone on the other side. So those are the four movies. All these four movies have politics at the center of it. And I would say those are the four that influenced me the most. Wow, that's a really good answer. Those are, okay. Yeah, those are really good picks. 
By the way, I also say that political, no I was a literature major. Hmm. And the novels in the, in the 1930s, Andre Malraux's Man's Fate, Saloni's Bread and Wine, um, all the novels by Victor Serge, they, they also influenced me a great deal. Um, and bringing it up into South Africa, Nadine Gordimer's novels um, were also very important for me to read mm -hmm. because they had a political basis. Yeah. And I unfortunately can't think of the other guy who won the Nobel Prize. You probably know him. It was, I think one of the novels called Despair. No, he I now don't lives, know. Now he lives in Australia. He and Nadine Gordimer won the Nobel Prize and within four or five years of each other. Oh, wow. Um, uh, I feel terrible. I can't think of his name. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so what is one idea or a bit of knowledge that you would like audiences to take away from this film, your film, The Drummer? Well, the one overriding idea, which of course everyone knows, Nancy, everyone knows this, war is terrible. Mm -hmm. And people, if they're not killed, are destroyed. Uh, either they're destroyed physically or physically and psychologically. And so the message is that if countries are going to go to war, they better have a really 100% reason for doing this. Mm -hmm. And as you, well, I don't know if you do know, but those of us who were in the anti-war movements felt that the reason to go into Vietnam was very flawed and certainly the reason to go into Iraq was flawed. The idea yeah. that there were weapons of mass destruction which turned out not to be true. Mm. And soldiers' lives were, were devastated by it. And of course, in the Iraq war, women for the first time, now this is a tricky one and I brought this out in the movie. Women were in combat even though they weren't supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But the army got away with it by saying that we had run out of men and we needed the, the few women who were around. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what the phrase the army used. I have it in the movie. Um, but the, the number of women who were raped or sexually assaulted by American soldiers mm -hmm. was very large. So that's almost, I, I don't want to say that's a sideline because it's a really crucial issue. But the point is that if, if the message is, if you're going to go to war, you but we better really have absolute 100% reasons to do this, to risk people's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then what are you currently working on? Any new projects that we should be looking out for? Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm 80 years old. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have an idea, I made some notes, but um, I, I, to be honest, uh, Nancy, we, we went into this movie underfunded. Now this is true about every independent film. My first film, everything broke right, going under, mm -hmm. and I was able to do it for a very small amount of money. This film had so many locations and so many more actors that we, we went into it knowing we were in trouble. We thought we, we could shoot the film and then raise the money for the post-production afterwards, which in some ways is actually what happened. Um, and I don't know if I can go through that again. I, I, I would really have to have enough money 
to make the kind of independent film I'd like to make without all this tension around whether there is enough money or not totally. to be able to do it. Totally. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you if it's coming out, if, I, if I'm going to do something. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Well, Eric, thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It has been okay. so great. 